friends in a movie. Two 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 friends in a movie. Big Man and Sixto. With Sixto and Nat. Big Man and Sixto. With Sixto and Nat. We're back. Summer vacation has come and gone. That's right. And the podcast world can take a deep breath and exhale because we're back. Ready to exhale like the movie Ready to Exhale. Yeah, like the movie because this is Two Friends and a Movie with Matt and Sixto. That's right. And as Sixto has told you many times, we love movies. That's true. And we decided you, the public... (laughs) Should hear our thoughts on particular movies. <laughs> and today, we have a special episode. It's a double feature. We're doing two movies for two friends. That's right. Barbie Heimer. Barbie Heimer. So, some of you might be asking yourselves or might be commenting to yourselves, these guys always come like three months, three months late with these movies. But let me tell you something. Here at Two Friends in the Movie, right we have we have a policy. We can only talk about movies people have fucking seen. So the movie's being out for a day or two. What is the fucking point? Yeah, you're not going to listen to the podcast. You're going to be like, oh, shit, they're going to spoil the movie. I have right. to go watch the movie. Right. Then listen to the podcast. So we're giving you the time to do it. And B, we're fucking lazy. So fucking get off our backs. And it was summer, man. We were on vacation. We went to the beach. We yeah, were... but that's just an excuse. We're just fucking lazy. Anyways, let's move on with it. <laughs> we were at the beach. <laughs> we were at the beach. We were getting our vitamin D. Boy. But now we're back in person. In person. Doing Oppenheimer. Shirtless this time. And Bobby. Because pantless last time created too many problems. Yeah, but shirtless, we got our summer bod still going from yeah. the beach. Yeah. Boy. So since we're doing two, let's jump right into it. Cause so, yeah, so because we got a lot to cover. So let's open up with Oppenheimer. Uh, you saw Oppenheimer first. I saw Barbie first. doesn't matter. Um, the plot of Oppenheimer, really simple. The United States is in the, in the race for the... Uh, Atomic bomb. The end. And this is the story of of Mr. Oppenheimer, who is the guy that put the team together that put, you know, we all kind of see him as the father of the atomic bomb. But really, he's the guy that's putting everybody together that can do the job like a good leader would do. Like good leaders just don't don't do like, I'm going to do this on my own. They gather everyone that's going to make their jobs actually work. And I like how they made a point to make sure you knew that over and over again. Like yeah. they kept going like, well, let's do an experiment. He's like, I don't do that shit. Right. Like, I need, we need this guy. Yeah. This is the guy that does the or, experiment. Yeah. We need this. I'm like, <laughs> I don't do that. I only do theory. We right. We need these other people to do this other shit. Right. And even more so when the military was getting down his neck to be like, hey, uh, how come you're not doing that? And he had to completely always remind them, that's not my job. 
my job is to theorize what would happen to put it into effect like you said we need this but also in this movie which is a great a great format uh because um mr uh, uh um what's the director's name nolan mr nolan has a tendency to time jump but instead of just time jumping which is okay because he does that a little bit here he also gives you like a dual perspective which i really enjoyed uh because you get and it's not right away no like you'll see scene happen from perspective a and then 45 an hour or so later you get perspective of the same exact scene the same exact time but from side b right uh which he makes you think like there's one scene where Oppenheimer's talking to Einstein and then Einstein seems to get upset and walks away. Uh, and then you're just guessing what was said at the moment right? because you really don't know. And you're in the same shoes as Ronnie Downey Jr. who also doesn't know what was said. Right. And then you, at the end of the movie, they show this perspective from Einstein and Oppenheimer. You're like, oh, shit, that's what he said. Right. And it's so it's so interesting because once again, perspective right when we're looking at the movie it's a black and white slash color movie and the black and white aspect is the robert downey jr aspect mm -hmm. and who let me say i had no idea was in this movie me neither i had no idea remy malik was in this movie me neither me neither uh all i knew was really matt damon yeah and and uh Celia murphy who you know like that's it that's yeah, all i knew that's all i know um well the movie then takes the the place of seeing these people. So the one perspective, which is the political perspective, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Louis Strauss, has this perspective of being humiliated by, by Oppenheimer and then completely trying to destroy his career and his persona in the public. So he makes this fake... It's not a trial, really, it's just like a, it's, it's a, like, a Senate hearing. It's a right a hearing from the government to take away uh, Oppenheimer's rights uh, through government, uh, uh, you know, red tape that he has the rights to, and it is a whole. So the movie kind of takes off from there. So the idea of like he's Oppenheimer explaining what happened, and then is the parallel to that is Robert Downey Jr. going to his own hearing because he wants to be voted into congress or he wants to be part of the cabinet the president's the cabinet, cabinet right and so he's go he's going to his own hearing which is the black and white part and he really puts a lot of his chips on oppenheimer in that hearing or oh, that's the part of the hearing that we're on yeah so there's like three things happen simultaneously in the movie there's the oppenheimer interrogation where they're trying which is a room full of people that Ryan Downey Jr.'s crew is set up so it's not right. a fair hearing right um it's totally to like you said denounce what Oppenheimer did and make his character look bad then you see Oppenheimer's view of him trying to get the bomb going trying to stay ahead of Russia and Germany and Japan and all that nonsense and then you see the Congress Senate hearing against Rami Downey Jr. Uh, or for, all, it's kind of like a questionnaire to see his character to see if they can vote him in. Vote him, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, a, a hearing uh, for approval. So all these three things are all kind of happening at once uh, through the movie, um, but it's done in a very almost seamless 
matter where yeah. it doesn't like it feels like talking about it feels like it would be jumpy like how do you know what's happening here then over here then over here but it's done in a real smooth way the camera angles and using black and white and right. color video it all kind of uh makes it work uh it's a three hour plus movie mm-hmm. uh but there's so much going on and so much information happening really doesn't feel like it's a three hour no, not plus at all. movie. And I think because he does the jumps and he has the color change, it's so drastic. Editorially, visually, editorially, it kind of resets you, right? Because every time you see the black and white, it's such a good technique to use to kind of give you this this jump to be like, oh, we're in the other thing, or we're here in the future in the other thing, or here in the past in the other thing, in the perspective of Robert Downey Jr.'s character. It's so smart to do the black and white. I, I also appreciate that once I figure out that the color version is Oppenheimer's point of view, it's not necessarily entirely the truth, but his point of yeah, view. Yeah, it's how he sees the truth. Right, right. And it's so interesting because there's a lot of shit that happens that he kind of gets back to after it's happened, where something happened to somebody, but you don't really know why. And they're like, yeah, man, this happened to so-and-so, and we figure it out the same moment he figures it out. And he's so smart because he kind of, even though this disjointed storytelling is from a from a secure perspective in which, which secures that when you hear it or when you experience it, you're going to have a reaction in the moment that you need to because it's his experience mm-hmm. at that moment, you know? And I like how they humanized Oppenheimer a bit. Yeah. Like, uh, usually when you see movies like this, you see it's all very pro-America, pro, this is our hero, this guy saved the day. But they showed his faults. They showed how he couldn't do certain things in the medical world. They showed that he was a, pretty much a womanizer. Yeah. He was an adulterer. He tried to kill his teacher. Yeah. <laughs> he poisoned. He poisoned. The, the, the he attempted to poison the apple. So you, you, you see that he's a guy. He's not this hero. He's not this. Right. And I think that that's so important because even though he's an incredibly smart man and you can see that, he is incredibly smart. Mm. Um, He still comes across as human, like what you're saying, not superhuman. Yeah. And I think that's even more important in that, you know, he doesn't have like. He doesn't have, he probably has ADD, but he's not like, a, he doesn't have like autism or something like that. He's just a man. Yeah, it's just a guy whose brain works in overtime. He's, right, he's very right. intelligent, but he's a human. Right, right. And he sees a pretty girl walk by and science takes the back seat and he goes <laughs> after the pretty girl. But And sometimes vice versa, yeah. right? Yeah. So he is, yeah, I like that they made him human. Um, I don't, and I don't have a better solution. And I really enjoyed the way they did it. My only gripe with the black and white footage was it almost felt like they were telling you he's wrong. Like it felt like... Of course, that's Robert Downey Jr.'s perspective, though. I know, but Robbie Downey Jr. thinks he's correct, that he's doing the country the Ah, right thing. uh But with uh the black and white, it kind of made it feel like... Robert Downey Jr. is wrong? Yeah, like you, like... Oh, but, I, you know, I, I I gotta say, though, because there is a part uh, in the middle of the hearings, uh, Remy Malek shows up, mm-hmm. and he completely destroys Robert Downey Jr. He just yes. fucking destroys him. And that caused Robert Downey Jr., which is what you're speaking to, to lose the votes to get into the cabinet, mm-hmm. right? But all the same, 
is his experience. The experience, but the black and white, to me, made it feel like he was the evil one. Like if he was mm. the right one, he would be in color. Oh, but I, I mean, I don't know, because I just think this perspective, you know, this movie reminded me a lot of like Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. Which we saw for uh, two friends in the movie. Go go look it up. And it is like Salieri versus Mozart, right? Uh-huh. And that the black and white is Salieri. But in the, in the Amadeus movie, you kind of don't have Mozart's point of view so much. As much as you just show mm-hmm, what's you, happening, right? Like more so than his point of view, because because Sarieri is like telling you what's happening. Here is kind of dual. It's kind of dual, and like I said, I don't think it's wrong, and mm. I don't think it's a bad thing, and I don't know a better solution to this. How you would do it any differently? Mm. Because I think you need the two color differences. You need the black and white, and you need the color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to show the different storylines. Yeah. But in my mind, even I, he, from his perspective, he looks bad. He looks bad. I feel right. like if he was the hero, the hero would get color. So seeing, but I don't think that he is the hero. He's not the hero. But you, but you mean to himself? You you don't get to make that choice. The filmmaker made it for you by putting him in black and white. Ah, uh, so there's no real like like chance of of even. Yeah, no one's taken Robert Downey Jr. side. They have shown you like. No, no, this is the bad one. You know, and this I kind of, I kind of think though, quite honestly, that th- one of the things that happens with the black and white footage is that it feels a little bit more documented than pre- than perspective. Mm-hmm. It does. I'll give you that too. So that it kind of has a little bit more of a wash of like, oh, this is this must be was in record somewhere. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but like it just kind of feels that way. I get it because it feels that way, and it's more professional, and it's in Senate hearings, and right, you know right, right, they're right. at the table and everything like that. So I understand, but there are points where it's just like him and his assistant, and him as his, his chief yeah. of staff talking. Yeah. Um, him and, and Han he, Solo. Him and Han Solo. Right. Uh, but right. he he ends up being wrong at the end, uh, and you see that he's very selfish, and his motives were all self-serving. But I and my feeling going into that was already predetermined. Right. Like he's an asshole. He's an asshole. We know he's an asshole. That's right. why he's in black and white. Right, 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 right. It's just, you know, that two like sides, so the yin and the yang, like Right, right. Like you seeing him get slighted and you see him get revenge, and I could read that in the black and white. Like I could yeah. read that he's just like, Oh, this motherfucker just did me wrong and he's dangerous. Because I think for most of this movie, Robert Downey Jr. feels that Oppenheimer is just not only an asshole, but dangerous. Because he is dangerous. I mean, Oppenheimer is making a weapon never seen before, that caliber, that potentially could destroy the entire world. Like, there is a theory where if they blow this up, the entire world blows up. And that's a real theory that they didn't know. Because you are make you are fucking with atoms, yeah, and there's atoms on the air that if you activate atoms to explode, would they never stop? Yeah, exploding? would they just keep going and going like a, like you know uh, a chain reaction? Chain reaction, yeah, and never stop. And I think it's so crazy that because that's the moment in the movie where I was like, stop. <laughs> yeah, like to think like our government at one point was like, it's more worth it. To destroy this Japanese city, or more, I mean Germany, first of all, but it's more worth. It was more worth it for the United States to have a power to stop Germany 
that even like you know what I'm saying because you're going all the way to when they finished the bomb and they wanted yeah, to Yeah, I test mean it. like as eventually they made the choice to like this could destroy the world but, I think, but it's <laughs> the risk is worth it to destroy the city. But I think that it was before then because that thought came along the moment they thought about hey, we can make this and they were like yeah, we should and then somebody lifted their hand and were like you know, what are the chances this will never stop going up and they're like well, let's see. They're pretty good chances. It's like, no, pretty good doesn't cut it. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's a bit scary that those decisions are being made. But also this movie and kind of shows that, though, like right, like what the, 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 the lust for power of, the, of everybody, not just the United States because Germany was doing it, Russia was doing it. Yeah, I don't think with the lust of power. I think it's more of fear that... Germany or Russia are going to get this before we do and bomb us before we can bomb them. I think that's because okay, they yeah. were worried, like, because he was he had ties with Russia, that Russia had the bomb and they were going to get it first and they had the, right. the Nazis were going to have the bomb first. So they had the, it was a race to see who can get it first. I right. think it was more done out of fear that we have to show the world that not only do we have the bomb, but we're willing to use the bomb. But And that's the part that I'm getting at that is so it's so fucking nuts that all three countries were <laughs> all three. It, it, it's just like no. And if you think about it, like this is real events, obviously. Yeah. Are they having these conversations with nuclear weapons right now? Probably that we don't know about. I mean, think about this. First was the nuclear bomb. Then this the hydrogen bomb that came after, right? Like well, the atom bomb, then the hydrogen bomb. A- a- atom and then hydrogen. And then hydrogen is even more fucking scary. But yeah. they were like, well, we contain this one so it can it can work. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? Stop. Stop, <laughs> stop, stop. So it, it, it's, it's scary to think that this... And like all science, it's pretty much guessing. Like it's educated guesses. Right. But at the, when they dropped the bomb, they still didn't know exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> It's so tense. It, it, even though, even though I know what happened, you know what happened. None of us are like we're not in a post-apocalyptic fucking universe mm-hmm. where the whole bomb destroyed the planet. It's still so tense because you put yourself in their minds to be like, okay, we're gonna hit play, and then we're gonna hope. <laughs> it, they did a great job with the build-up. Yeah, for yeah. a story that's been told, I don't know, a thousand times, and that we know because it's such a gigantic fucking step of humankind yeah everybody knows parts of this like you know the bomb was dropped on japan you learned that in like sixth grade and all of us have seen a fucking mushroom right because there is no generation that is not privy to how destructive these bombs were Mm -hmm. so you know like what to what you're saying it's just like it's more so it's like it's in our it's ingrained in all parts of us that this shit is so destructive, right? Um, and you're right to build to build the tension to the trial. I got lost in the moment. I was just like, yeah, you get you get lost in you get you you're you're involved in the story, and I guess maybe the jumping around helps too. Is that you're not so focused on the bomb, mm-hmm. like because there's a lot of parts where like. Oppenheimer's not the right guy. Take him off. We're moving to this guy. No, that guy's the wrong guy. We're going back to Oppenheimer. And then the, the trial and the things with his wife and his girlfriends and Russia. Like, there's so much happening that the bomb almost becomes secondary. A hundred percent. Bro, they bomb. They do the bomb test. This an hour of movie left. Yeah. 
What? <laughs> it's not about the bomb. <laughs> it's really not. It's re- it's really not. It's 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 mostly Oppenheimer versus. Yeah, Robert uh, Downey Jr. Uh, uh, Louis Louis Strauss. Louis Strauss. Yeah. So it's pretty much Strauss versus Oppenheimer, um, and kind of how fucked up our government is. Like this is. Yeah. Like, who knows if it's better? I mean, hopefully it's a little better than it was then. But to see the the almost pull back the curtain and how this stuff came to be, like, Strauss got a scientist who we had a beef with to make an atom bomb, hoping he'd fail <laughs> so he could destroy him. <laughs> like, this is what happened. Right. You, can you imagine, bro? Can you imagine if the, the result would have been the whole earth fucking burns to death? And then he's like, whoa, I, I got him. He's fucking yeah. stupid. <laughs> like, because of this man's ego. Uh, really. And how much he was able to get done. Like, he had so much power to get it where it got. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, Speaking of Robert Downey Jr., what a performance. Great. Fantastic. He's got, he's, unless something changes from now into the Oscars, I, I think he's got to be the front runner for uh, Best supporting, Actor. Supporting or Best Actor? Uh, I don't know if he's supporting. I mean, he would be supporting. Right? I guess he's supporting. But then you think about him. You think about Casey Affleck, who's there for like 10 seconds. Yeah. And Casey Affleck fucking destroys. Is the you talking about a guy that's so fucking mega smart, Oppenheimer, right? Mm-hmm. So mega smart. And he, they've been showing you the whole movie. He's mega smart, has so much power. Sits down for three minutes with Casey Affleck, and you're shedding your. <laughs> <laughs> Casey Affleck is so fucking scary in this movie. Yeah, it's gonna be hard. Like, I... and and let's not forget fucking Matt Damon. Matt Damon does a great job. But, but Emily Blunt three, does a they, they all do a great job. It's going to be hard to pick. I, I predict that this year for us is going to be really tough because we have a rule for our uh, Oscar polls that if a movie is in more, if more people than one in a category in a movie, that movie doesn't win. Yeah, it usually cancels each other out. But this is going to be tough because... <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess Murphy would be the lead right. actor right. Uh, who right. will get nominated. You got to think Damon and Downey Jr. will be supporting. Supporting. Uh, I, I don't think you could put three in the same movie all in supporting. Like, they couldn't put Casey Affleck, Robbie Downey Jr., and Matt Damon all in the same category. I think they could, but I don't know if they will. Yeah, it would be. Casey Affleck has such an impact, though. They, they all. I mean, Rami Malek doesn't even speak half the movie, and he also has a great. And, he's a great, and you knew it. Like <laughs> you're like this movie has so many stars that Remy Malek has been knocked down to a non-speaking <laughs> role. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Let's talk about a little bit about the the we mentioned before. Um, he's he's all of his cheating womanizing. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about his real-life girlfriend, um, the Black Widow. Florence Pugh, who is his real-life girlfriend. Who's real-life girlfriend? Uh, uh, Celia Murphy. Oh, is it? Even I... though he's like 40 years older than her. Creepy. But I really had a problem with two things with her. Okay. Number one, why do you have to show her naked all of the fucking time? It was just weird. 
Like they couldn't have a conversation. She's in her brown panties. Yeah, it's just naked her. Unless they meant like that's the nature of the relationship. It's a sexual relationship. He doesn't really care about her dressed. <laughs> well, more of like a like a symbol. Like this is all he sees her as. Is this sex object? Even though he cries, I mean, in, in bigger spoilers, I mean, we've been spoiling the shit out of this, but just in case, he cries when she gets murdered or suicide. Yeah. One of the two. I mean, you could tell there was love there, but there wasn't the love of a wife. Like, he, he didn't see her as that role. And then that's the other thing, his wife. I think for him, his wife was an opportunity because he got her pregnant while she was with another man. Mm-hmm. So I think he got forced into that marriage. Maybe. He probably would have been a happier man never getting married. Probably. I think it was more of figuring out that the relationship with Pew was never going to work. And then, coincidentally, he met this woman soon afterwards. He had a broken heart. They got pregnant. And it just snowballed to what it was. But, yeah, you're probably right. He's. I don't think... And I think it'd be hard for any person, man or woman, when you're that dedicated to something, yeah, to give that dedication also to, to a relationship. Anything else? Anything? Anything? Else. Any kind of really a friendship? Or, you know, his kid. His he kid just fucking gave away his kid away. like he was nothing. Like his mind is so preoccupied with science and what he's doing and his work that nothing else really ever equals that for him. It's so nuts, and uh, what we're talking and about, and it's also a different p- time period where women yeah, aren't yeah. respected right, right, as right, they right, are right. now. Even though he is smart enough to respect a woman, he he is like most scientists. Most scientists through history have been smart enough to look beyond color and and sex mm-hmm. if they can get the answer right. And he shows in this movie too in that there's a lot of people with a lot of accents in this movie, mm-hmm. and there's women in the group that made the bomb. And he knows that they're the right person for the job. Like for him, you know, that also shows in that they defeat, United States defeats Germany. Mm -hmm. Germany is defeated. It's out of the war. And he's still going like, oh, no, we got to try this. Because for him, that is the most important thing, that we try this. It doesn't matter that I tried it in 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 a desert I need to drop this on something, it's and his, I need to see the result. It's his life work, and it needs to uh, be fulfilled. And it, I don't know that for him it's so much about killing people so much. No, it's it's a almost like a giant science experiment. Exactly. And, you know, like people are dead, but then you can see also the transformation in him once he realizes what he has done in that he was so obsessed with the with the outcome of the experiment that he didn't care. Until he hears her on the radio, which I also thought was fantastic. Yes. That you never see anything about this bomb dropping on people. You never do. You never do. You never see. Except for what is in his mind. And you never see aftermath or anything like that. Even the, he's even, there's a scene where he's in a movie theater looking at the newsreel. And still then you don't see what yeah, you he's seeing. Yeah, you see his face. Yeah. You see his face, like bending his face out and being like, holy shit. What the fuck have I done? And I think that that's, that's really so as important to him. In that same way, like that transformation of, of focus is real for the rest of his life, too. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like, like clear, he's finally done with that job that his mind is now seeing. He was so clouded 
doing mm-hmm. the job that he saw nothing. Mm-hmm. And now that it's over, he sees everything. And I, I got to say, going back to uh, Pew, uh, that there is a scene where the wife, he's talking in this hearing, and the wife realizes that he's been cheating on her with this woman the mm-hmm. whole time. And they represent that physically in the scene by making him be naked in the hearing and have Florence Pugh on top of him naked in the middle of the hearing. In the middle of the hearing, yeah. And I felt so fucking uncomfortable with that because it's not a real scene of science or of an explosion. It's not showing you people dying. It's a, it's a realization from the wife that is represented physically in the... in the. And I also think it's like cracks in his mind. Oh, like he's thinking about the sex in that yeah, moment? Yeah, like his mind is... 95% the atom bomb but there are little cracks of what he's done in his life and I think once he's almost confronted with what we were doing with this like it starts to like seep in into seep whatever, in. he's like right. oh shit I'm a fucked up person mm. but then he blocks that out with going back to work I just I, I it just bothered me that she had to be naked in a room full of dudes I, I like I said I, before I really think it's to symbolize that he she was a sex object to him and I think that's what he saw. Like, you were either a scientist, a man, or a woman. Like, the like I don't think the scientist had gender, like you said before. Right. Like, he saw a scientist as a scientist. Right. But outside of work, I don't think he respected women. And I think that's what they tried to show was that. Or men, because he doesn't respect Robert Downey Or men, yeah. At any he, level. Right. Uh, I guess it's different. Like, he... he he sees himself better than men, like smarter, more superior, and he doesn't respect women. Right. Um, and Gary Oldman also shows up as the president. Yeah, fucking, we want you all, we didn't even talk about Gary Oldman. <laughs> Killed me. I laughed out loud. I literally laughed out loud in the movie theater. I was like, this motherfucker's great. <laughs> he comes in a pansy. Don't ever bring that pansy back yeah. into <laughs> that fucking pansy. Because Oppenheimer is at a point where he dropped his bomb. Now the math and the visual match, and he understands the damage. So he's at a point where he tells the president, Mr. President, I have blood in my hands. This is a horrible thing. Everybody's going to want to do this, and we're going to create a more toxic and dangerous environment that we've ever lived under. Mm -hmm. And the president is like, shut the fuck (laughs) up. Do you know who we are? Get the fuck out of my... Yeah, it's a very... (laughs) Like old school, I'm the man mentality. Like there's tough guys and there's pansies. Yeah, right. And, and I'm a tough guy and you're a pansy. Get, get the, the fuck, fuck out of my out office. Of my office. Um, and just to end on my points of this movie that I really, really loved, when they're interviewing Oppenheimer, the lawyer is saying, we shouldn't bring your wife into the office because she's a mess. She drinks. She never seems to have anything straight. She's very emotional. And Oppenheimer is like, you know shit. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but come on, man. I don't think this is going to work out for you. And Oppenheimer is like, let me tell you something once again. You don't know shit. And then, you don't know shit. And then they drop the wife in. And she's fucking better than you could have mm-hmm. hoped. He just sits there and she's like, the guy's interviewing her. And he's like, Mrs. Uh, Oppenheimer, do you, uh, blah, blah, whatever he says. And she's like, you didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't, uh, Word that question. Yeah, right. like she's, she's correcting his grammar. And... <laughs> and I thought he was getting so frustrated, and she kept fucking playing ping pong with him because she obviously is way smarter than him. Yeah, 
And probably, probably, she's obviously way smarter than Oppenheimer. Probably. And I think she understands the world. Yeah. She knows what her role is. She knows as people see her. Right, right. She knows that she'll never be Oppenheimer. She'll never be seen on the same level. Right. Uh, So she's, like, disenchanted with the world almost. Like, I'm... They're not going to let me live to my potential. So fuck it. I'm just going to get drunk all the time. But also, seeing her sit down and destroy these motherfuckers in 10 seconds. 10 seconds. <laughs> just destroy. Kind of gives you... And he's sitting there just looking at her and, like, you never... It's so good, once again, the perspective and point of view of this movie idea. It's so good. So good. And you kind of see why Oppenheimer fell in love with her. Yeah, is yeah. Is that she is this... Very intelligent woman, yeah, yeah, yeah who's yeah. independent, who has her own thoughts, right, right, right. What you think a person like him would appreciate, right? Um, well, anyways, we got another movie to do, so we got to get to the point. Do you want to add anything else? Anything you liked? The only thing, and my wife brought this up first before I thought of it, um, that I wish happened was a lot of these movies during the credits or at the end will show. Like the real people, real footage, or like yeah. real footage. I was kind of hoping that would happen during the credits, kind of see like some of the Congress hearings or yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And you didn't get that, which is not like I'm not going to drop it any toes or anything. It's just right. it would have been nice to see that stuff. Absolutely. Um, well, here now you mentioned toes. Here at the six toe and Matt show, Matt and six toe right experience. <laughs> we have a six toe grading system. With Zero Toes being the shittiest movie you've ever seen, and Six Toes, yeah? Speaking of Zero Toes, Uh-oh. when I sat down uh, to watch the next movie, the preview Zero for toes. Dune 2 came up. Oh, shit. Six Toes right there. And I there. fell asleep instantly. <laughs> you fell asleep with the trailer? In the trailer. Even the trailer... <laughs> That's a minute and a half of the best scenes <laughs> was so boring. Oh, you're so full of shit. And we're gonna wa- we're gonna watch that movie. We have to. Oh, I'm gonna watch it and destroy it. Anyways, on this fucking we're talking podcast. About Anyways, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Zero toes being terrible. Six toes being movie of the year. What's your toes? Um, I. This movie is incredibly well done. It has. All of the things, it, there's not a punch thrown in this movie. There's not a single laser shot at anybody, and it keeps your attention. It is so fucking good. However. Ooh, however. There's a however here. It's a movie that you have to separate your time in the day to watch. It is a lot of movie, it's a lot of but movie. it is a lot of incredibly good movie. Five and a half toes for me. That half a toe is simply because it is a day's project. It's not like you're going to watch Oppenheimer, get up from there, and then go, like, enjoy the sun. The sun left. You, <laughs> your sun day, left. Your, your, day, your day was over by the time you hit play, you know? See, I, I, when a movie is that long, and as a video editor by trade, it's always my first instinct to think, what could have you cut out? Yeah, you like, can't. Though. What was not needed in this movie? Right. But there, you need it all. Every single frame. So I can't even denounce it for that. I'm giving it six toes. Yeah. It's the movie of the year. Uh, 100%. I mean, as of right now, I mean, who knows what will change, but I haven't seen anything 
better than this so far this year. Really? Because I have. What have you seen? It's called Barbie. Oh, snap. Shit. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mr. Cho. Yes, sir. Since you're so enamored with Barbie, tell us a little bit about this pink masterpiece. So Barbie, uh, directed by uh, Greta Gerwin, who is, uh, a, I think, the only choice for this movie. This movie is can only be directed by her because it's obviously her movie. Mm-hmm. It's a movie where Barbie, who lives in a Barbie world, um, uh, aqua notwithstanding, um, has a, 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 what's it called? A, like a shock of faith in her life. Like she's just like, oh my God. What if you die? And all Barbie and Ken do is like be super happy. They're like the commercial or the idealism of Barbie lives in this world. Yeah, they're they're if life was perfect and easy. Well, if if Barbie was a real thing, the idea of Barbie was a real thing, it would be this world that they live in. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so at some point she has an as she starts to have real life existential crisis. Yeah, real life issues start creeping into her mind. Right, and so um, she starts walking normally, even though she walks like the doll, where her feet are always like. Uh, mm-hmm. She has saddle cellulite. Right, she has cellulite, and then she's a little off. The all the other Barbies are say that you got to go to the real world. Yeah. And, so what the the object is is basically that the person who owns her because. She's represented. She represents a doll in the real world, owned right, by somebody, right. and that her owner is going through some sort of depression or sadness. Right. So now that she is now experiencing it, what her owner is feeling. And so the Barbie that everybody has seen that has the her burnt out and is being painted on, and then the legs have cracked, is the one that knows the truth of how to do all these things. Tells so you got to go to the real world. You turn left, you turn right, you go up, you go down, and then you make it to California. I really love that. I really love that there is no, like, science or supersonic or mm. magical. It's just, like, left, right, up, down, go. Like You, you take a car <laughs> to a boat to, to a, a bike pilot, to, to a, a ski, a sled, right, to, to a, a rocket, skates. to a rocket, yeah. then you roller skate in. And I think I thought that was so fucking perfect. But it's only perfect because of how the movie is presented, too, right? Like, you're seeing all these live-action people playing Barbie and Ken and Michael Sarah playing uh, whatever. Alan, I think it was. Alan is, is the name of that doll. I believe Alan. And, uh, and you see that in that world, everything is kind of, that makes sense for the world that they presented to me, mm-hmm. where everything is just like, I'm going to eat breakfast. And they really eat breakfast like Barbie. Like, it's a piece of plastic. Yeah, it's nothing down, real, yeah. And they don't drink or whatever. So... Barbie goes to the real world and Ken decides that he's going to tag along and she's like fine because I think deep down she's a little afraid to go to the real world. She's like, okay, Ken, you yeah, can come Yeah, because I mean, it's me. a mystery. And you kind of see the difference where like you see in the beginning that the the Barbies or the women are in charge of the Barbie world. Right. And the men, I guess, are secondary. Uh, they're they're background players. They're Well, it's, bar- it's what Ken is. It's what Ken is. It's a sidekick. Yeah. Right. Uh, so but even more importantly, girls, when I was a boy, girls used to have- You're, you're not a boy anymore? Well, I'm a man now. Ooh, he's a man. Well, when I was a boy, girls used to have seven, eight Barbies, one Ken. Like, he's such an afterthought, Ken, it's right? It's an afterthought. It, it, it's, 
at some point, I feel like it's a marketing ploy. It's like, okay, what else can we sell that right. people will buy? Like, oh, let's make this let's, boy let's character. Make, let's make a boy character. Yeah. And even though G.I. Joe is based on Barbie and they never touched on that, they didn't bring G.I. Joe in. It's just specifically Barbie and mm-hmm. Ken. And so Ken is such an afterthought in their world, too. So Ken's only obsession is Barbie. And his only function is Barbie. His only purpose in life is to get Barbie's attention. That's it. That's it. He's is- Barbie. And and so and so they go to the real world, and here comes the thing where Margot Robbie, who is gorgeous and perfect, comes into the real world, and Ryan Gosling, who's gorgeous and perfect. It's true. They both come to the real world, and they experience this real world. And it's an eye open it for both of them in a different way. Yes. For Barbie, it is how in the Barbie world, everything is women driven and perfect, and there is women rule the world. Here is the real life, quote unquote, where, well, <laughs> it's that's not what happens. Yes. And, and so she encounters, not only does she encounter that shock of how she's being treated, she then encounters the girl that she thinks is her owner who says, you sold us a fucking stupid, narcissistic idea that we can be whatever we want. Mm -hmm. An unrealistic dream. And this is not what the world is. We all get spit on and fucked over, and there's a glass ceiling, and we can never fucking pass it. Fuck you. Fuck you, Barbie. And then they they meet the little girl's mom later on, who is the one that's actually having the, the crisis, who is making Barbie have these thoughts who really thought that Barbie was something that pushed her to be better than she probably could have been. Yes. And that's so interesting that there's both aspects of this, right? Yeah, you could see, and don't get me wrong, we are not where we should be. No. But we have moved closer, I believe, since the mother's generation to a daughter's generation. Right, That The daughter doesn't see it so much as... What do you mean I could do all these things? Like, she knows right. she could be whatever she wants to be. Right, 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 right. Where her mother, they didn't always think that. Right, and but I, I, and I think that even still, though, even though today we're quote-unquote less racist, quote-unquote less sexist, quote-unquote more, uh, more uh, welcoming of all things, that's kind of bullshit. It's just that we are this... The world that we live in today, we are held more accountable. And I think that that's the Mm -hmm. bigger truth that we live under. Bigger truth. And I think think at some point it's realistic to think that women, and this is coming from a man, so I don't know how much value this holds, Mm. but it's not as feels unrealistic dream for a woman to be president or something like that. But I have to see it. Because one hundred percent. That's what I said. We're not there yet, but I right. feel like we're closer than we right. were in I, the fifties than I, we are. I probably absolutely, absolutely. I probably would get a lot of hate for this, but I kind of wanted Kamala Harris to be our president because she was hate, uh, hate, hate, because she hate. was she. You know, we needed law and order or whatever it was, and she was a district attorney. So you know, like I was like, hey, we're gonna do all right. And then she didn't win. I I think because a brown fucking <laughs> woman. Yeah. It's, too, it's too much to ask of, of, of the United States. But there are places that have women presidents, and they fucking do find in Europe. They do fan fucking Yes, they, we would, I think, and we're getting off track here. I, not, I don't think so. But we would benefit, I think, greatly from a brand new perspective in power. Yes, yes. 
Thank you. I think we've been doing things one way for a very long time. I don't know yes. if it ever really worked, but it's definitely not working right now. <laughs> we could do better. We could do better, and I think a change of perspective would really help that. Right. Um, but this is kind of the underlining theme of the Barbies, is that when she goes to the real world, she is now treated as a lesser. She's treated as a sex object mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not as this powerful woman who mm-hmm. can do anything she wants to do right um so you kind of see the dynamics of both worlds you see how ken was struggling in the barbie world now sees his potential comes back to the barbie world and starts to campaign that men should be in power gets the other kens that kind of do this and I don't know if I want to say tricks or like deceives well, or I, brainwashes the other Barbies I, I to kind of think, follow suits. I just think that the Barbies haven't. I think that's so interesting about the Barbie world that if you come back with a lot of conviction, it transforms the entire place. Mm-hmm. And because he's seen the real world and he's experienced sort of like men power, quote unquote, he can come back and sell that so easily because they're just toys. They're just toys. And they're used to, I think it's also annoying theme is people in the most part are followers and yeah. if someone comes and leads them they will follow they will follow right right um well the movie then t- takes a turn where the company knows that barbie has escaped they're trying to trap her again she escapes with the mom of the young girl who works at at mattel and they go back to the barbie world because she's like, you got to see this. This is amazing. Because she's trying to show the little girl. And they're trying to get Barbie back. Mm-hmm. And once they go back, they have that problem with Ken. And in order to get all the Barbies to break out of these idealisms of how how um, Ken now rules the world because he's a man, um, the, the, uh, the mom, who is played by, uh, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, I know her. I know her too. I don't remember her name. I'm trying to look it up right now. Everyone, if you look at IMBD, it's funny that every character is either named Ken or Barbie. Barbie. Oh, she should have been like on the top here. America, America Ferrera. America Ferrera. Thank you so much. America Ferrera has this whole speech about the realities of being a woman in the world. I want to ask you, because the impact that that had on me was very uncomfortable in a very good way, in that I realized that I'm part of the equation that makes it so hard for women. But um, how did you? How did that hit you, being that you're a father of two girls? See, this movie was a little weird for me, because I have two perspectives on it at the same time. Because uh-huh. I saw it with my kids. Oh. So not only do I have my own view, yeah. but I got to watch them and talk to them afterwards on how they viewed the That's movie. Great. That's which great. Which is very different than how I viewed it. Um, the daughters loved it. Uh, my youngest... Funny as hell, by the way. My fun, my youngest was crying a little bit. I saw it also my, my niece, Julie. She was a little like emotional about it as well. Uh, I think it's very important and good for that age group. Okay. I think it's very important to see women in starring roles without any of the underlining themes of the movie just to see that this movie is made by a woman it stars a woman uh-huh. most of the characters are women uh-huh. um 
it is a little funny. I was a little disappointed with the comedy, to be honest with you. What? I was. I I was expecting it to be funnier than it was. It's a fucking toy movie. I, I'm not saying it wasn't funny. I was just, I had higher hopes that it was going to be funnier than it was. You don't know shit. I feel like there was a lot of opportunities. You don't know shit. When they first came to the real world for you know a lot you know? of jokes that they didn't do. You know what you know? What do I know? Not shit. Yo, fuck you. Don't you don't know shit. I don't know shit. <laughs> but I know a lot of other things. I know what's funny. Um, Moving on. Moving on. But they loved it. Um, I think it was great to see. I think all the themes in the movie are very important. Yeah. Uh, I think, and this is no uh, about the movie. This is not bad about the movie. But this has been done a few times now. And I still don't feel like, I feel like before the movie, during the movie, everyone's like, this is what we should be doing. Why is America not like this? And then 10 minutes when the movie's over, people are like, all right, so back to what we've been doing. <laughs> well, I, you know, I got to tell you two things because I'm very impressed that this movie's being number one every weekend since it came out. Yes. And that means that a lot of people not, are not only watching it, but they're re-watching it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's great. I think it's great. I think it's great that it's also become an event. Yeah. You're not seeing it by yourself. You're not seeing yeah, it right. with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're taking all your friends. You're yeah. all dressing in pink. You're all, it's an experience. It's not yeah, yeah, just yeah. a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I cried in this movie. I don't know. I don't even remember because I saw it too long ago. But I there's a part, I think, when Barbie is kind of like recognizing when the Barbie, so at a point, Barbie meets the lady that created her. Yes, Ruth, Pearl, whatever her name is. Pearl yeah, Ruth, Ruth something or other. and Danny DeVito's wife. Danny DeVito's wife. And when she meets her, she's saying to the lady, like, look, I know I'm, I'm this thing, but I want to be something else. And the, la the lady that created Barbie goes, yeah, but you don't understand. You're an ideal. And you can't break ideals because mm -hmm. Barbie was so heartbroken by how the world really is that I think she was like, I can never go back to ignoring that. This is bad. And 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 Ruth is saying, but you're an ideal. You're something that that can become more reality because it's indestructible. Because if you keep hope and you keep pushing, there is a better there's a better chance that you reach that than that you wouldn't. Uh-huh. And I think that Margot Robbie, by the way, when she shows expression at any point, there's a scene when the, she very first goes into the first world and Barbie's forever 22, whatever the fuck mm -hmm. she is, or 30 maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and she sees this really old lady in the bus stop and she's just looking at her and she says, you're beautiful. And this old lady says, I know. That shit fucking hit me right in the fucking chest because I was just like, Wow, we're so easy to judge everybody or be like, oh, look at this old lady. And especially as a man, we're so easy to to judge physically women. Mm -hmm. Just generally speaking, right? Like, oh, yeah, she's hot and she's beautiful and she's not. And, oh, yeah, you're great. And, you know, as much as, as we may try not to do that, I think it's also like part of being like part of reproduction or whatever that you want to do that. But there's a point where you got to grow out of that. And yeah, I, but, and it's also I would do more than just biological. It's it's force fed to you your it, entire life, right? And that's the <laughs> other part that like we're meant to understand 
that when you're watching movies and television, somebody always makes a joke about like, oh, but she's so hot. Oh, but blah, blah, blah. And everybody talks about it like it's nothing. And I think that that moment was so fucking powerful and so big that I I dropped a tear. But then I looked around me and nobody else was crying but me. And I was like, oh, man, what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Is nobody feeling this? <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought the messages were overall good. Uh, there's a lot of little scenes like that, um, and I think like Barbie is the ultimate like dream or goal. Like, right? You picture yourself like Barbie's a beautiful astronaut. That's what I want to be, right. and then you strive for that. And I think that's kind of at the end of the day what they're kind of saying is. You could be whatever you want to be, but people are going to try to hold you down. Uh, there are going to be obstacles. It's not going to be easy. But if you try and want it hard enough, you can come out on the other side. Right. And I also, I mean, but also credit to the movie that they also tell you this is also kind of unreachable. Like Oh, 100%. Right? Like, not not that. But the idea of, like, the physicality of Barbie, even though Margot Robbie, if you're going to play Barbie, I don't think you could have gotten anybody else but my... Yeah, and I like that. I think what Helen Mirren's the the voiceover. Right. And Helen she, Mir- she right. makes, like, a comment at one point where oh, yeah. it's, like, it's not about beauty. And they're like, well, if you're trying to make this point, <laughs> casting Margot Robbie was the wrong person. So it's the point where she gets, like, like varicose veins. And, and she's like, I feel ugly. And then the voiceover goes... Note to the to the movie makers: If you're gonna make this scene, do not hire Margot Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of impossible for her to be always gorgeous. Um, there were a couple of really nice, like not just not just there is like like when um uh Will Will Ferrell is in this movie, fantastic. He's very in the background. He's very classic Will Ferrell. Uh huh. Very classic Will Ferrell in the background. Uh, John Cena jumped over from Fast X. Flipped the car over and showed up as a mermaid. As a mermaid in the water. <laughs> as Barbie. And I thought it was a great cameo that didn't hit you over the head over being a cameo. Yeah. I think the difference and the beauty between like someone like Will Ferrell and, say, like Jim Carrey is Will Ferrell almost knows his role a little better. Mm-hmm. Like a Jim Carrey has to own the scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, Will Ferrell is very happy doing if he's you. He's the background guy. Fine, I'm the background guy. I'm the background. I'm, I'm, I'll I'm make doing my, my joke, job, right? I'm doing and I'll my move job. on. And I think he does that really, really well. Um, and John Cena does that really, really well too. If he needs the scene, he could steal the scene. But if you need him just to be a joke in the background, he's very he's happy just joke. being the joke, right? Uh, so I think they were great. I, the movie overall is a very good movie. Uh, it's it's well done. Yeah. Um, you follow the story really easily. Yeah. There's some good messaging yeah. uh, on both sides. Uh, it's got some jokes. Oh, I laughed a lot. I wish it was a little funnier, but there's a fine line, which I think they go really well with, is they have a very serious message. Mm-hmm. And if you make it too silly, I think you start to delude that message. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even though I wanted it to be funnier, I don't think it should have been. 
if that makes sense. Right, right. Because then, like you said, like then it, it becomes, it all becomes a joke, even the message. Yeah. Um, look, I, I just, I agree with you at 100%. I just, I think that there is so much importance in what this movie is trying to say. And it's such a unique movie. Just in the storytelling, not unique like in like nobody's ever done something like this, but unique in that the storytelling has a flavor, and it's not the Marvel flavor of movie. It's not the Marvel, and I think branding it Barbie was genius mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, like obviously it's about Barbie, but it really is nothing about Barbie. It's all right. about these messaging, but you get all these young people going to see it yeah. because they recognize the name. Right. If this would have been called, you know, you know, the awakening Sharon, the awakening of the of the toy world. Yeah, like <laughs> you didn't use the actual toy, you just made up a toy and right, right, had right, the exact right. same story. I don't think it has this impact. Absolutely not. To have the icon itself do and have Margot Robbie who I don't know if there's anyone in the world who looks closer to Barbie than Margot Robbie. I don't think so. It really, I think it. It's. I think it was the casting was done really well. I think the story is done really well, uh, and I gotta say, I enjoyed it. Like, even going into it, uh, I tried not to read. I don't like to read too much about movies or watch too many trailers because I don't mm-hmm. want to be influenced. Mm-hmm. So I didn't look too much about it, but I went into it going like, "Come on, this is the fucking Barbie movie." Like, right? How I'm, good can he be? Like, if I didn't have my wife, my two girls, and my niece. I wouldn't be going seeing this, like. Right. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised. Wow! How many toes do you give it then? Giving it toes. Now this movie will also, I think, get a bunch of Oscar love. Oh yeah. I think oh, you'll yeah. see Margot Robbie as best actress. You'll see yeah. Ryan Gosling as also supporting actor. Uh, yeah. I really even think it'll get a best picture nod. Uh, it's I not think going so to win, too. but it's it'll not get a nod. Win, but it will get a nod, and it will probably get original sp- screenplay. Probably, for sure. yeah, for sure. Uh, this is gonna win a couple of awards. Um, I'm gonna give it five toes. Wow. I wish it was a little funnier. That's the only really thing I'd bring down on it. Okay. Um, but like I said before, I think it's only that funny for a reason. Um, but I, that I couldn't find a lot of complaints about this movie. Even the soundtrack was good. Even the soundtrack was good. I, I, you, you know, I. It hit me kind of in the chest, and I did feel like all the people that are saying that this is a men-hating movie, shut the fuck up. Yeah, really. Because this is not about men-hating. This is about showing you the truth. Yeah, there's a mirror held up to society. Right, and so like, if you don't fucking like it, you really shouldn't. That's the point. Yeah, that means you're guilty. <laughs> that means you have guilt. But also, that's the point of it, right? Like, yeah. Even you should be like, even though I don't feel like I am a misogynistic piece of shit, I'm sure I've done misogynistic piece of shit things because I'm a man. Yeah, it made me feel bad for men. Like, yeah. like oh shit, we're really doing this. <laughs> <laughs> this is really how we treat people. And so I I, I have to say, look, I, there is nothing, I find nothing wrong with this movie. I Would I watch it again? Probably not. If it's on, probably. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to look it up. Yeah, I'm not, not going to go it. find it, but... It happens to be on, there. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And if I have the opportunity, more importantly, if I have the opportunity to watch it with somebody that hasn't watched it, I'm definitely watching it all the way through mm-hmm. because it, I want to see their their reaction to it. But to me, it is a, a, a six-toe movie. Six-toe? This is better than Oppenheimer. 
Well, only because the the only fault that I found in Oppenheimer, like I told you, is I'm just saying you give Barbie six and then Oppenheimer five and a half. That's right. So you're putting this over Oppenheimer. It's a personal. It's, it's fine if you do. I'm just clarifying a, for the audience. It's a it's a personal experience, and I think that I got so much more out of this movie for myself. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. And I, But I'm explaining it because it's true. I gave it a little bit more. I found so much more because Oppenheimer is about power and what you can do with that power. Mm -hmm. And I'm a brown man with an accent. I don't have a lot of power. It's but, true. But Barbie is about humanity entirely, no country, and what we can do to be better. And I think that that I can do. And I think that this hit me a little bit harder. Um, but... You know, to be fair, both of these movies, there's a reason why they're both still number one and still going at it. It's because they both have messages that really resonate with all of us. With all of us. And I think it, it both movies, like I said, give you, especially for me anyway, give you like a little peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Like Ottenheimer gives you a little peek of how government is run. Yeah. And this gives you a little peek of his, how it is to be a woman in this world. Yes, absolutely. Which I you and I would we'll never, never experience. Know, yeah. Right. And I think that more importantly still, these movies, both of them, number one, not a single punch. Well, that's not true. In Barbie, there's some punches. But not it's not an action. There, neither one of them is an action movie. No, and the fight scene in Barbie is very more ridiculous. Silly, yeah. it's <laughs> more silly than anything else. And it's not. It's it's a lot of people talking. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot of messaging. It's a lot of really well done films. Yeah, like top to bottom, like script, video, color, casting. Acting, acting, like it list just talking. goes on. It's just really well done films. Yeah, man, and I think that that's you know I've spoken before a lot about why everything everywhere all at once was such a a pinnacle of something good mm -hmm. when it came out, and it's because the studios have made it their mission to make hundreds of millions of dollar movies to make billions of dollars, and the cook cookie cutter movies there. It's a very simple format. People like this format. They're going to keep seeing this format. We're going to do the exact same format. But it costs a lot of money to make. Mm -hmm. So these are movies that I'm. I, neither one of them is cheap by any stretch of the imagination. But it opens the door to more brain movies than just punching people into space movies. Yeah, and it, it's it's a little... It fucks with your narrative a little bit. It, it's not... Right. Here's the good guy. Here's the bad guy. Right. They're going right. to fight. Good guy wins. Sort of movie. Because Oppenheimer really is about not only both guys thinking they're the good guy, but both guys being good and bad. And they're both yeah, they're both very flawed human beings. Right. And Barbie is about not only how men are responsible for treating women a certain way. But the fact that women play into the equation, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not blaming the victim here. I'm just saying that our society teaches us all, men and women, and whatever non-binary, it teaches us all that there's a structure that we have to follow, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what this movie is also saying. Like, we're all at fault, men above all for keeping this world the way that it is and for not allowing for everything to be more equal. True. And I also think it's about self-love that... A hundred percent. You're never going to be Barbie. Love you. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Love you. Yeah. Right. You are perfect. You are your own Barbie. Whatever your name is. Yeah. Matt. 
That's my name. <laughs> well, I think we've talked way too much. We talked a lot. These were two very good movies. Oh, my goodness, uh, yes. I, as we are pretty obviously saying, go see both of them if you haven't seen them yet. Uh, go see them again. They're definitely going to be seen on the Oscar show. Oh, yeah. They'll definitely be in our Oscar show, but they might be completely different movies by the time yeah. we get to our Oscar show. <laughs> but that's besides the point. <laughs> the plots will be different. Uh, coming up, I don't know what we have coming up. I know Asteroid City is on Peacock. Yeah, so it's uh, time to watch it. So I want to see that. I also really, really, really want to see Strays. About the dogs. The dogs with Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. Uh, it looks fucking hilarious. It's an R-rated movie. <laughs> it's like a kid's movie, but R-rated. Yeah, but this is my problem, and I'm already scared of this, because that's what uh, the one with the hot dogs was. What's it called? The hot dogs? Oh, yeah. uh, Sausage Party. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little skeptical, but I'm going to see it. Yeah, Sausage Party, it, it, was, it was funny. I like Sausage Party. But this is just like... It's got to pretend. It's got unlimited potential, because you could put a dog in any situation, and you really have no idea how that dog would react. That's true. So you could say anything. That's true. And you know, Will Ferrell's very funny. Jamie Foxx is obviously very funny, and there's a bunch of other very funny people in the movie. Uh, so those are the two movies on the top of my list. And one last comment before we go. Yeah. I did end up seeing Bo is Afraid, finally. Oh? It is nowhere near everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is a very strange, weird movie. Okay. Uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It'd probably Uh-oh. be a two-and-a-half to three-toe movie. Okay. Uh, but if you like something outside the box... This is very outside. I think they went a little too far outside the box, <laughs> but it's it's very outside the box. And if you like those kind of weird, kind of don't know what's happening type of movies, I would say it. Um, I I saw Mission Impossible Seven, aka the one he jumps in the bike. He does jump on the bike. And um, I gotta say, it's obviously a part one of two. Mm-hmm. It is called Dead Reckoning Part One. Yeah, and it. You need to have watched every other Mission Impossible for it to make sense. So, you know, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass because you have to have seen at least the two previous ones. I haven't. For this one to, like, kind of follow through. Um, It's not great, but it is a real movie with real people in Europe doing real shit. And we saw, we had just seen Fast X where this... uh, CGI people in CGI <laughs> cars. Even though I saw a thing of making of, of, of Fast X where they were actually pulling cars and they were actually that scene where the bomb is exploding and all the cars are flying out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh that was really done, but it still looks fake as fuck. Yeah, it does look fake as fuck. And then Mission Impossible is the complete opposite where it looks so real that you're like I can't believe these motherfuckers are this crazy. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Would it still be enjoyable? story slash action wise if you haven't seen the last six yes i just think that you'd be a, a you'd be tiny, more entertained i think you'd be a tiny bit lost as to who people are or why you care like who is this character because they introduce characters spoilers they introduce characters that get killed and they're characters from before so then if you watch the movie you just be like oh this is the person that he needed to get this from 
fine. And they killed it, so they obviously had a past. Mm -hmm. Who cares? But if you know who this character is because you've seen the other movies, you'll be like, oh, I can't believe they killed this character. You know, so it's a little bit of that difference. So there's a little bit in it, but, but you but can enjoy you, you it. You can enjoy it. it. Uh, but it is a, a two and a half to three toes movie. All right. It's so not there you great, go. You know. One episode, four, four movies. How many? Four. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens next week. Is there something you want to say before we leave the audience? Yes. Thank you uh, for stopping by. San Diego. Thank you for stopping by, everybody. Especially San Diego. And giving us your time to listen to our podcast. We're very happy to do it. Very happy. We're happy to be back together. We've been rubbing each other's nipples the whole time. The whole time. It's been very, very satisfying. Um, um, this is number 89. Yes, son. So the countdown to 100. It's on. It's on. Like Donkey Kong. We're hoping to get there before the end of the year. We might, might have a huge surprise gift Bam. for our listeners for episode 100. Maybe. So keep listening. Maybe. And we're going to give little hints for the next 10 episodes of where it might be. <laughs> Hint number one is going to have a number on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be 100. <laughs> Don't give the answer to the hint. Ah, shit. <laughs> it's going to have a mystery number attached to it. Yes, three digits. Triple. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. It's been a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Ugh, just skew the song. Thank you for making it a little bit more beautiful for me by spending the <laughs> afternoon or evening or morning Bye. with my voice. Cue the music. Goodbye. Love you, everyone. <laughs> Two friends in a movie. 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 With Madden Sixto. With Sixto and Nat. With Madden Sixto. With Sixto and Nat. With Madden Sixto. Madden Sixto. Madden Sixto. Two friends in the movie. Two friends in the movie. Two friends in the movie.